I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning, everybody. This is the Falcons podcast, Wednesday morning edition, following a victory Monday edition on Monday. I'm your host, Scott Kennedy. In this guy over here, you might remember him. He's back. <laughs> this is Nick Kendall. He was traveling all last week, so we did solo shows as he and I worked out our travel schedules. But he's back now, so we can talk, get a little different perspective. West Coast, South Coast, that's me. He's over in Seattle. We are coast-to-coast with your football coverage. So welcome in, everybody. Welcome back, Nick. Yeah, thanks, you. Thank you for holding down the fort. Um Watching the Falcons game in the airport the day after and uh, excited to get into it. A little talk, a little Tennessee as well. And thank you for, you know, being able to run solo for a little bit. I know that that's never the easiest. Uh, You don't have the natural pauses. You can't drink as much coffee during the show either. That's always tough. Uh, So, yeah, good to be back. Good to see an Atlanta team that feels like they are close to taking off here. Yeah, you said something to me that was pretty interesting yesterday when we were talking about Atlanta and the feeling that you get for this team. Why don't you go ahead and tell, you know, Falcons country here what what you told me yesterday about your thoughts on the trajectory of where this team is going. I just feel like they're going to have a game coming up here where they're going to explode on somebody. Uh, They left so many points in the field. They're moving the ball well. The defense is playing well. They just haven't put it all together in one game, but that's coming. At some point, there's going to be a game where – you know, the, the, the special teams plays exactly right. Uh, you're putting the ball in the end zone in the red zone. Yeah, the turnovers are limited, and you're going to beat a team by 30. I'm not sure who it's going to be. You have a pretty easy schedule coming up, but uh, I think the Falcons are very close to playing a complete game. Now, <laughs> playing that complete game consistency is a difference between, you know, making the playoffs and how far you can go. Uh, but the pieces are going to come together here pretty soon in one game, and I think it's going to be an explosive output. Yeah, you look at the last three games for Atlanta and just go look at and in fact, even the Jacksonville Jaguars won. It was 23 to 7, but Jacksonville only went for 300 total yards in that game and, and Atlanta went for 287, three turnovers. You go to Houston Texans and we talked about that was a big win and some of the, some folks kind of came in, some Texas fans were kind of poo-pooing that one, you know, oh yeah, great, you beat us up, we stink. Like, no, you really don't. You're a pretty good team. But someone took issue with the fact that I said they dominated that game. You know, then why'd you need a Herculean effort to come back and win it? Well, because of turnovers. Again, total yards, 447 to 313. In the NFL, that's dominating. Here's the one that just kicks you in the nards. 402 total yards against the Washington Commanders, and your defense held them to 193 yards. You outgained them 2-1. to one. Oh, yeah, three turnovers. 
Last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 401 yards to 329. Uh, You got two turnovers. That's probably the way you win because you gave up. Let's hear it again, folks. Three turnovers. The Atlanta Falcons turnover margin. I'm going to have to just scroll all the way down the bottom because they got to be last. Not last. They are because the Las Vegas Raiders are minus 10. They're tied with the Patriots with minus 7 at second to last. So they're tied for 30th and 31st in turnover margin. This could be the game where they explode. The Tennessee Titans, we've said they're overlooked a lot. This year, they're not very good, Nick. Yeah, I know. They are really, really poor. Um, Malik Willis does not look like the answer there. Traylon Burks has not really stepped up into the spot post-A.J. Brown, and now they're trading away Kevin Byard, who's been the heart of that defense for a number of years. Uh, They're not a very good team. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they end up picking top three uh, when it comes down to it. When uh, we are talking in April, uh, they are one of the, are they two and four right now? They're one two of the and teams. four coming off a of bye week. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're sniffing a top three pick with, uh, you know, Barris in there at two and five with the third pick. They're one of the heap of two and four teams of the Packers, the chargers and the Titans. So yeah, not a, not a good team uh, so far this season. I kind of feel bad for Vrabel because he's done pretty well with lesser rosters, but I mean, looking over the roster outside of, you know, Jeffrey Simmons, who are the difference makers? I just do not see them on that squad. If they make a change, Vrabel won't be out of work for long. No, um, no. That's a that's a promise. He, he'll he get another job uh, quickly. Some of the things we want to get into today, uh, we'll talk a little tra- transaction. Falcons made a move, signed someone to their 53. We'll hit on that for just a moment. We can reflect back on the Buccaneers, but we'll mainly look forward. Uh, want to talk a little bit about uh, power rankings and rising players. One of the things that uh, that came out from ESPN yesterday, uh, Jordan Reed on ESPN put out his first round mock draft. That's always interesting. So we can start getting into the mocks. I want to hit on the Atlanta Falcons pick, some of the things at the top. And that's might we might go through that whole thing on Friday, Nick. That could be a, a good show for us on Friday. Um, and then we'll, we'll hit on your questions. It's one of the reasons we do this thing live is because we love the interaction and uh, and all those type things robbie red comes in now i'm gonna risk having this come back and blow up in my face here and hopefully you guys can hear it okay robbie red's given the old mr kennedy from the wwe and not everybody knows that one um but i actually turned this into a walk-up music for my my son sean uh i'm gonna play that real quick let me know if you can hear this okay uh, there was a problem playing this video. Yeah, naturally. Mr. Kennedy, walk up. Why are you? I don't just, just play it. Uh, okay. This was a bust. It played. I tested it right before I did this and now it's, it's not wanting to work. So here, let's see if this will work. I can barely hear it in the background. Yeah. <laughs> so that didn't work very well, but that's all right. Um, Technical difficulties, but I mixed it in with POD's boom. So Mr. Kennedy, boom. Mm. Uh, and it's 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 over the top, but I might do it like when he's a senior in high school, have the, the PA guy do it. But good morning, Robbie Red. John Harrell comes in. He says, good morning, Scott and Falcons family. Good morning to you, too. And John's awfully excited. He says, Pitts looks healthy. Coral Patterson is back. Landman for president. He's playing great. Ritter, and Ritter doesn't scare me throwing the ball. Yet the three turnovers, fumbles. One, not necessarily on him. You know, you can it's kind of like a, a shortstop makes a bad throw and the the first baseman picks it. You know, he saved you an error. You'd like to think that maybe 
in a perfect a perfect world, he doesn't take that hit and gets rid of the ball a little quicker or whatnot, but that's still not on him. Bad snap, snap. We don't know if that's on him or anything like that. The third one, absolutely 100% on him. Wrong hand, lackadaisical. He could go the rest of his career, Nick, and not lose three fumbles, not have three fumbles charged against him. So that's a little fluky. That said, the turnovers are piling up, and that's got to stop. Yeah, I mean, the three turnovers is kind of fluky, but he's showing to be fumble prone uh, right now, you know, in the pocket or outside of structure. And with the way the offense is set up, you can't have that. Uh, It's very much a, you know, chunk by chunk uh, offense. I wouldn't say necessarily you're living with the massive, like big time throws down the field constantly where you then you, you know, can have some of those turnovers. Now it's Ritter's got to protect the ball better, especially in the red zone. I mean, with the way that the Falcons defense is playing right now, I know you want touchdowns in that red zone instead of field goals, but what you can't have is flipping turnovers. Uh, so that hopefully that'll get better here. Fortunately, it is something that to the extent that we've seen from the Falcons over the recent stretch is correctable. Uh, it is an anomaly to be that much, but I think we are approaching the is Ritter turnover prone uh, area of his career, given the sample size we've seen. And it's not just the, the, the interceptions it's fumbles. And honestly, I think I take interceptions over fumbles because at least interceptions to me, most of the times means you're hunting and it's almost like an arm punt. The fumbles, those can go the wrong way in a hurry and flip field position in a worse way. I feel like the fumbles are easier, easier to correct than a guy putting the ball in danger. True. So if I see three, three interceptions worries me more than three fumbles uh, in, in a small sample size. Yeah. Now, you know, Matt Ryan was given the ball up, you know, last year at a historic rate. And that leads to bigger problems. If this was all sack fumble, sack fumble, strip sack fumble, okay, you got problems in a lot of areas. These were three different ways that the ball came out that I feel like it is, those were a little fluky on that. Uh, Like, do you think he'll ever have the ball knocked out of his hand going untouched into the end zone again? No, I I don't think that'll ever happen again. Yeah, probably not. Um, I don't don't think. Will he get... uh, Hit and fumble in the the pocket, probably will there be other snaps. But, yeah, that shouldn't happen. That shouldn't be a big issue. Of course, it happened a couple times last year with uh, with Dalton at center. Uh, Didn't matter who the quarterback was. Jeremy Schneidt coming in. He says, good morning, Falcons family. Good morning to you as well. Um, John says, welcome back. Winston's coming in on Facebook. Uh, Winston Thornton says, good morning, fellas. Good morning to you. Keith Johnson says, good morning, guys. Always look forward to this podcast. And we look forward to having this podcast and speaking with you. Dom's in the house. He said, good morning. It's Nick Scott, Falcons Nation, Dog Nation, Broncos Country. Scott, you were right. Dogs play the Gators this weekend. Let's go, dogs. Yeah, I I don't keep track of college football nearly like I used to. It used to be my whole weekend. Um, it was funny. I um, I say, oh, what'd you do this weekend, Scott? Well, I watched the SEC games at noon, three, six, and nine. And then there's one at I'd watch all four games. Like, wow, what did your wife say? I'm like, what do you mean? What did my wife say? I'd have to ask permission, man. (laughs) Like if that was going to be a problem, we wouldn't be married. Those are the kind of things you figure out before you get married, man. Um, She didn't say anything. She went and did her own thing. Hey, it's great. Um, But now I just, I don't, I don't follow it. And I, I, the thing is, Nick, I know so much more about the NFL now. Now I'm kind of into the NFL. I care about, one of the reasons I didn't want to play fantasy football is because, man, I don't want to stay up and watch that Monday night game just to see if my wide receiver three loses a fumble and I lose by 0.5. Well, now I'm watching those games. So I'm, I'm much more into NFL and, and I'll start following NFL draft here. Well, starting probably today, Nick. Yeah, I mean, 
I like them both. Uh, big, big 10 football, pac 12 football has been really fun this year. And of course the NFL, I mean, I'm, I'm on the draft. I've been watching tape. I watched two games of Oregon state's offensive line yesterday, you know, getting ready to understand their uh, right tackle. Who's just a behemoth strength monster out there. So starting to starting to put that work in, but love football all the way through college football started going away for me with one playoffs. Um, and two, and more importantly, my own kids playing sports. So, you know, when Saturdays. you're gone all Saturday, you you start missing things. All of a sudden, one weekend turns into two. All of a sudden, you're week six of the game, and I haven't watched a single college football game. You'll see that one, Nick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Victor comes in, says, good morning, Scott and Nick. Hope you guys have a great show. Well, thank you, Serge. Better already. Uh, Michael Ranquillo coming in from Arizona. Appreciate you being here. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. Chris Walker has something I think most of us can agree on here. This is morning, everyone. Love our defense. If the offensive side of the ball gets his act together and the play calling and execution get better in sync, look out. Now, the Tennessee Titans are not a good team. However, they are coming off a bye. They are at home. This isn't what it looks like on paper. This could be a, a, a trap game, so to speak, for an Atlanta Falcons team that in theory, should win this game. I mean, in theory, they should win this game. Atlanta is not very good. Malik Willis is, talk about turnover prone, not being able to get through multiple reads. Uh, They're trading away their longest tenured player. Uh, They're falling apart, man. Uh, Their defense is bottom 10 in the NFL so far in efficiency metrics, 25th, giving up a 0.038 EPA per play on defense, which is not great. Um, and the offense has probably even worse. Uh, that's a Mike Vrabel defense. So you're talking about a poor, poor, poor uh, defense and offense out there in Tennessee. This is just not a very good team. I kind of feel a little bit bad with them uh, given the trades they've made. I mean, the Eagles and Howie Roseman's treating them like a uh, minor league team right now, uh, but probably one of the easier matchups we should see this season uh, for this uh, Falcons team. Yeah, they're 14th in run in total run defense. What's their EPM? I'm wondering in run defense. So sometimes these numbers can get skewed based on number of possessions. You know, we've seen running teams when dominate the clock, fewer possessions means fewer yards. So you can have a team. It's like, oh, well, they were top eight in offense. Yeah, but they they gave up points every time the other team had the ball. They just went on 12, 12 play, eight minute drives. They weren't stopping anybody. They just weren't giving up a ton of yards. So they can be a little deceiving. It says, you know, like 13th or 14th in total yards per game and rushing. But what's their what's their efficiency metrics in stopping the run? Their rush defense actually is pretty good. Uh, okay. According to the efficiency metrics, it's ranked 11th in the NFL this year at a negative 0.142 uh, per play. But their drop back, I mean, their pass game, they're getting eviscerated. 28th uh, rated in the NFL, only worse uh, than them are the Bears, the Cardinals, the Chargers, and of course the Broncos. So, uh, so. It sounds a little like, and you can look at the numbers, uh, it sounds a little like this will be a lesser version of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were yep. pretty solid at stopping the run, but were giving up a lot of yardage through the air. And the Falcons really didn't have any problem moving the ball against them on the road in Tampa. So let me let me hear Tampa's numbers, and that's after you know uh, Desmond threw for 300 again on these guys. Yeah, um, Tampa's 20th in uh, dropback EPA. And in rush EPA, they're second in Yeah, so they're the good. League. Now, here's my next question for you, Nick. Who's number one? Who's the number Atlanta one Falcons. in rush defense? The Atlanta Falcons are number one in rush defense by a... Wait, wait, say it again for those in the back. Who's number one in rush defense? 
Dirty Birds, Atlanta Falcons, number one rush defense in terms of efficiency metrics so far this season. So obviously there are a multitude of metrics you can look at, but uh, the Falcons have been pretty damn good at keeping things in front of them uh, so far this season. They're also number one in rush defense, according to PFF, uh, so far this season in grade. They're 80.2 ahead of the Philadelphia Eagles at 78.1. So uh, pretty, pretty phenomenal turnaround we've seen from this defense over the last few seasons. Those are the metrics and your, I call them seat of the pants analytics. You know, what does your gut tell you? The gut tells you you're not running the ball on a front four of Calais Campbell, Grady Jarrett, David Onyemata, and Bud Dupree. And it's helping. Well, the Falcons aren't getting much, getting a lot of pressure. And, and I know there's pressures and the pressure rate this, but I, I feel like real pressure. They're not making the quarterbacks overly uncomfortable. You can, and that's again, those are for me what my eye tells me and what the numbers tell me. The numbers are saying they're getting pressures. My eyes are telling me when they rush four, the quarterback has a lot of time to throw. Uh, they're getting coverage sacks, which is good. However, because their rush defense is so strong with that front four full of grown men, and it is a veteran defense, that's that's their most mature area on the entire field is that front four. They're putting teams in second and long. They're putting teams in third and long, which lets you be a little more conservative, so to speak, in the passing game, Nick. Yeah, I mean, you can do that when you're on schedule and ahead of the chains, as they like to say. Uh, you can do a lot more with your run game. Uh, just your playbook is open for you. So uh, it makes it uh, easier for the offense, harder on the defense. You know, you really want to third and long, third and 12, you know, especially when it's third and 15, the fans are in it, they're on the road, uh, and you can uh, pin your ears back and get after it. But the Falcons, yeah, rush, pass rush is probably still the area that on this team is really lacking, even though the back seven has been playing good football, they've been playing good, sound, uh, disciplined football in the run lanes and everything. Uh, but the pass rush is still not really making a difference. You don't have much true, like, you know, th- that guy that's unbelievably a difference maker. Grady Jarrett's the closest to that and um, can be that from game to game, but not consistently. Well, and he's, he's taken up a lot of space is the thing. He's, yeah. he, he's getting double teamed every single time in passing situations. Uh, Victor has a question here. Do you think it's possible that we don't have any major movement in the deadline because Fontenot wants to save cap space in case we need to go after a veteran quarterback in 2024 free agency? Or is that overthinking? Uh, Nick, why don't you, you take a shot at this? I've, I've given it a little thought already. Or I can go and you can give it some thought. <laughs> I think that you're looking at both. And uh, part of the reason that you might hold back for something is because of potential cap space. But you have a very easy schedule ahead of you and a defense that is playing really good right now. And let me tell you, defense is super volatile. I mean, what we've seen so far from the Falcons probably is not going to be what they look like the second half of the season. It just fluctuates a lot. So if you have a chance to go for it, uh, I think that you would. And also, I can't imagine anybody you bring on is going to be crazy in terms of the cap space ramifications. If you need to make some moves to bring in a quarterback, you still can. Uh, so I think you look for, you look at it right now and you see what you can get. And if you don't get it, it really just depends on a lot of the the money factors and the cost of just bringing them in in general. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to break this down into, into pieces, Victor. Uh, do you think it's possible we don't have any major movement in the deadline? Yes. Yes, I do. Is it because Fontenot wants to save cap space in case they need to go after a veteran quarterback? No, that I do not think. I think there's plenty of cap space. I think there's flexibility to make more cap space. I think if they don't have any major movement, it's because they couldn't. The asking prices were too high because it's going to cost draft picks. 
So you're going to have to, man, we'd love to have, how do you pronounce Hunter's first name? I call him Danielle. Daniel? I always thought it was Danielle. Yeah. So, and someone said Danielle. I'm like, well, that probably makes more sense. Um, so Hunter from Vikings. Oh yeah. Someone sent a, a second and a conditional 2025 third. That was too rich for our blood. Okay. If, if the price is there, but they need to be asking they need to be on the phone and they need to find out because they, they could use someone who brings more to the edge rushing. That's, that's the Achilles heel of this team right now. You've you're getting away with not being able to put pressure with your front four right now. A lot of it has to do with your schedule and the quarterbacks you've been playing. If you are going to make a run, this team finishes 11 and six, they should be contenders in the playoffs. If you're going to do that, I don't think you can do it with Bud Dupree, Lorenzo Carter, on their own. I think they're going to need somebody else. So if they do not make a move, I think it'll be because the price was too high. No. Uh, not because they're thinking about saving cap space. It'll be because they want to save draft picks. Uh, that would be yeah. my thought. And here's my thought is trade that conditional fourth up there and and see if uh, from, from Jacksonville, send it up to Minnesota and see if they can turn that into a second round. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Calvin Ridley for, uh, for Danielle, Danielle Hunter for Hunter. Take that. Yeah. Take that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Yeah, I mean, heck, the way Washington's playing right now, too, I wouldn't be putting my nose up at Chase Young. I mean, there's options out there to add another really interesting piece to the defense. I know with the trade deadline coming up, Scott, I do want to ask you, is there any spot on the offense where you could see a move that could impact the team this season? I know that a lot of the infrastructure seems to be in place, but... Is there any spot there that like, eh, maybe I know Van Jefferson's already here, but curious about your thoughts on the offense. Cause it'd be a wide ones, receiver. It'd be it another would, wide receiver. Be, I think that's it. Um, you know, unless someone comes in and offers something silly for Cordero Patterson, but again, I don't see that happening. Um, they, the, the theme on ESPN's power rankings was it? No, they, it was, was a different one. Their theme this week was a rising young player. Uh, we can get into that one. And then the, one of the other things was a player that could be traded from each team. And there weren't a whole lot of good options for the Atlanta Falcons, frankly. Uh, they're an ascending team. They're playing well. They've they're, There's not a lot of guys that are that they would look to move. They're not sellers. They came up with Scotty Miller. You know, what are you, you going to get for Scotty Miller? Okay. Maybe, you know, nothing. That's not really even a trade. I think more you would be buyers. You know, would you... I don't know if Cortland Sutton is the right guy for this team. Is he different enough from Mac Hollins to, to warrant giving something up? He's a really good player. He'd be a really good number two out there. Um, but is there, you know, I, I still feel like they're missing that scat, that jitterbug guy out there, the, the, the yards after catch guy that gets separation, the, the press man beater uh, off the line. That's where I think we would see a move. And Jordan Brown, good morning. He says uh, the box scores have been alarming the last couple of games. Should have dominated. You have dominated. That's the problem. The scores have been alarming. The box mm-hmm. scores, other than turnovers and score, 
have been really, really good. But back to trade, if it was on the uh, offensive side of the ball, it'd be wide receiver. Okay. I thought as much as well. Um, don't know if anybody's really available that would fit that uh, mold for you guys, but uh, makes sense. I mean, the area this team is missing, you could really use maybe like long-term another cornerback, but the immediacy drop-in rotation makes sense. It's got to be edge. And it says, did, did they trade? Was this, Did the safety come from, from Tennessee also, and they just traded a, another player up there? What I mean, did, did we break that bond or something? You, Every bear and Titan used to come to Atlanta. What's going on? I think he's probably talking about the safety here. I didn't hear anything else about a linebacker. I think this is probably just talking about Kevin Byard still. It must correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't seen any specifics on that. Pamela John says, Good morning, Scott Nick. Good morning to you. Hope you are having a great crisp fall morning. Been waking up in the 40s here. This is the last 6 a.m. football practice for me for a while. So uh, those are, I won't miss those. Um, Robbie red comes back in on YouTube. He says this Falcon seems he's a consistent pass rusher, a uh, Rashawn Gary or Montez. What would be a nice fit if they can make a trade or an off season move? I saw well, he's got a decent following and I, I, I follow him. So he's not always have takes this bad, but he's like, Hey, if we're going after Daniel Hunter, I'd, I'd rather have Max Crosby. Well, you know what? I, I'd, I'd rather have reincarnation, reincarnation of Lawrence Taylor. It has about the same chance of happening. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. It shows me you're not paying attention to anything. And you have no idea how salary caps work. If you think Max Crosby is, has a chance of coming to the Atlanta Falcons at the trade deadline. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd give up two first rounders and, and maybe a third for Max Crosby, man. Come on. Yeah. Contract won't happen. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, though. I mean, you, you're calling, right? You're just seeing what's available out there. I see somebody asking about, we need a Bosa type of dude off the mm -hmm. edge. Haven't heard much from Joey Bosa and the Chargers for a number of years now. What's stopping the Falcons from calling in the least? I mean, you're a team that your first round pick is probably not going to be good enough to get yourself a player of Joey Bosa's caliber. So why not see if what it would take uh, to do something like that without having looked at the contracts? I mean, it's kind of similarly to what we saw from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, last season, the team that's built up infrastructure, they have a first round pick. They're going to be picking, you know, mid to late first round. They're not going to be able to take a Bradley Chubb caliber edge rusher, edge rusher. They're not paying a quarterback yet. Uh, maybe a good usage of that first round pick would be to go out there and get an immediate known commodity at that position, even if you have to end up paying that guy on top of it. Uh, it's, it's a worthwhile discussion for where the Falcons are at as a team right now. Uh, you mentioned Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa carries a $38 million dead cap hit this year, but his cap hit goes to $36 million next year for the Chargers against a 22 dead cap hit. That screams restructure or trade. Interesting. That's what mean, it it's... says. With a base salary of just, I say just, but a base salary and a roster bonus, a base salary of $15 million against a roster bonus of 22. He's available. Hmm. He's... He's movable. Let me say, I'm not saying the Chargers are making him available, but from the Chargers' point of view, Joey Bosa is movable after this year. Um, go ahead. I have, I guess, some breaking news on this one, too. I didn't see this yet, but I had it sent to me. Um, another reason for the Falcons to be licking their chops, I guess. Uh, Ian Rapport tweets that uh, sources the Titans are preparing rookie quarterback Will Levis to start this Sunday. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's out with his ankle, and Coach Rabel said both Levis and Malik Willis would play, but Levis is expected to be the primary quarterback. So Titans seem to be in pure evaluation mode, 
you might have to prepare for both quarterbacks in that regard. But uh, turnovers might uh, start to look normalize a little bit this week if Desmond Ritter can protect the football. Well, yeah, there you go. And, um, you know, their, their run defense is okay. Their pass defense is not protect the ball, run it down their freaking throats. Um, let them make a mistake. This will be similar to the game plan you saw against the Carolina Panthers to open the season. But I think the Falcons offense is in a much, much better place than it was against Carolina. Um, hold on to the damn ball and and just, just like I said, just let them beat themselves and be efficient in your offense. Um, I mentioned Max Crosby. Look, let me look up his numbers real quick because he's tied up for a while. Um, he's got a $35 million dead cap next year. So he's not going anywhere for at least one more season. And then it goes to 27, 10 and 2025. So he he's tied up for a while. Again, you can't make those moves. that would actually be detriment to your team from a financial standpoint, you, especially with a good player. Now, if you're rebuilding and you need to rip the bandaid off, which is what we talked about with Matt. And I'm not saying Matt Ryan wasn't a good player, but he he wasn't going anywhere. They needed to get out from under that that contract. Uh, Baba Gump says good morning. Good morning to you as well. Uh, Cutlow comes in. Cutlow Butler. It feels like a newer name. Welcome in, my friend. He says easy win this week. You'd think <laughs> it's the NFL, baby. <laughs> but it's the NFL. I mean, the Bills were going to go in and wax the Patriots, right? Wrong. There was another one. There. What was the other game this week that was like what? Tyson Bagent and the Bears beat on the Raiders. That was shocking. You had the Giants beat the uh, Commanders. That I think was, that was it for me. Was there was another I one too? The Commanders to beat the Giants pretty handily. Yeah, um, I, I expected the Colts to beat the hell out of the. I mean, the Browns to beat the hell out of the Colts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I actually picked the Lions and the Ravens. Oops. Um, that was that was. I think that was the surprise for me. Uh, was oh was how about Vikings 49ers oh yep another one there so I mean that's it's the NFL man Uh, it's this is a tough league it's not like college football where you know you have Alabama going against Vanderbilt one week and it's like you could play that game a hundred times and Vanderbilt would maybe win once NFL the margins are so small and thin Uh, so any win in the NFL is a good one I'll never forget I mean god how things change but I think it was 2013 or 2014 and the Broncos are up like seven or 14 points against I want to say the Jags going into halftime and the Broncos fans are booing the Broncos because they were like crazy favorites and God, how karma has changed. I mean, a 14 point lead at half. You can do that. I didn't even know that was allowed these days. Uh, the Broncos but, haven't had trouble getting leads at halftime. They've had trouble keeping them, yeah. but they did break those points. Though. <laughs> Falcons fans, uh, just a crazy stat. The Broncos lost 10 games in a row that they had a lead at halftime. They, they needed Mark Wollers to come in and, and close that thing down. Get Billy Wagner to come in uh, and close. Um, and, and Sean says Ritter still scares me. Yeah. We're not saying it's, it's done uh, with, with Desmond Ritter. He's, Turn the ball over six times in two games. It's it's very very concerning. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said though, I, I don't feel as bad about the this those fumbles. Those were those were fluky to me. Now you happen fluky two times in a row, they become a trend. Atlanta Dog eighty eight says, "Good morning, Scott and Nick. Rise up. Let's get a dub this uh, this Sunday." Keith Robbins is in as well. He says, "Good morning." Brandon Swank says, "This should be a win." Tennessee are trying to trade more more players for picks. Should be, should be, but you get a road game coming off a bye, guys fighting for jobs, 
it's it's the NFL. It, it should be. And what's interesting is ESPN GameCast has 55% chance of Tennessee winning this game. The Falcons really? are a three-point favorite. I'm like, did did you not mess up? It's the matchup predictor says Tennessee Titans 54.4 versus 45% for the Atlanta Falcons. And that's with Ryan Tannehill questionable and just Bijan Robinson listed as questionable on, on the team. I take some of that action. I'd 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 bet. 45 to win 55. I, yeah. I take some of that action. Um, yeah, I don't right. bet on the Falcons unless it's to bet against them to hedge my bets. I wish I had put a thousand dollars down in 2016 on the Super Bowl. I would have paid a thousand dollars to not have to deal with that for the rest of my life. Would have been worth a grand easy. Brad Clark, good day. Top five defense and efficiency. Loving our, our defense. If you're just joining us as they come in, Nick, where's that run defense efficiency for the Atlanta Falcons based on PFF and DVOA? Uh, EPA per play, they're EPA. number one, and PFF, they're number one. I have not seen the DVOA. That uh, Football Outsiders uh, fell apart, so I need to figure out where that's being stored these days. I think it might be behind another subscription, so I might have to bother Chad. Like, Chad, I need the data, of course. How else can I discuss this? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, they've the run defense has been really good, and, I mean, you got to give a shout-out to the defensive front, the defensive coordinator. They're losing, like, Troy Anderson out there, Nate Landman. I saw somebody say Nate Landman for president limited player but man he is a you funnel it to him and he's taking care of it uh between the tackles so uh really been a very good defense out there hopefully they can start hunting the quarterback a little bit better than they have been uh rusty moore says what's up with the Bijan robinson uh investigation thing what is there to investigate he started feeling sick before the game and then had a very limited role because the nfl is in bed with vegas now they have to kiss their ass the nfl should never have promoted gambling this has been going on for a lot longer than the nfl in vegas officially being in bed that's why they have the reports that's why they have the injury reports is for this reason and if you hide something and the question is the investigation is when did you know that's it and if they knew on sunday morning so be it no problem they left him active he played a game so i mean he played in the game you could have just said hey listen we didn't play him but they said he wasn't feeling great we decided to you know What's what didn't help is Arthur Smith is acting so coy about it, you know. Like he, Arthur Smith is up there talking like he has something to hide, and the cover up is always worse than the story, you know. So that that's why it's getting questions. And I, I even put it in the title that on Monday I put up the cut up of his video up there. It's on my YouTube page. Of you know, I forgot exactly what I put, but I hinted that he's still not forthright about what what's going on um and that, that that's causing problems because the injury reports and why they are put out every single day of the week starting with wednesdays has been going on for decades and mm -hmm. they take that stuff seriously even and if gambling was illegal <laughs> and it's definitely a bigger deal now that there's gambling and gambling are paying for like huge sponsorship and stuff i mean it's you can have the opinion that it's sullied the sport some or you know whatever but and I don't personally gamble really on that. I'd have to drive out to a casino out here in Seattle uh, to do that on reservation land based on state law. So I'm not <laughs> I'm not out here doing that. But this is where the league is at. Uh, so it's part of the game. I really think that soon they're going to be coming for things like uh, the refs as well because the margins are so thin. You have like bad calls here and there that are costing Vegas money refs better watch their back because you do not mess with the mafia and the the bookies 
Well, again, the ironic thing about Vegas and gambling is Vegas doesn't want to gamble. Nope. So if they have money on 50% on each side, they're happy. They don't, they really don't care who wins. We get the, we get the percentage. We want mar we want volume. Mm -hmm. We want as many people gambling as possible. We want half on this side, half on this side, and we'll take our 5%. That's what they're interested in. Um, mm -hmm. When it comes to sports gambling, when it comes to gaming, the odds are all on the house. <laughs> they, those, those on a long enough timeline, the house is always going to win. Uh, let me see here. Nick has a, or John has a question for you. So what was the call with the Iowa fair catch BS? I guess it was, you can debate either way. He kind of was pointing at the ball with one hand. And when he was running, waving the hand at his waist on the other end and caught it, made one of the most miraculous punt returns you'll ever see. Uh, 90 seconds, the zooped around like six guys at once. I mean, it was pretty unbelievable. They reviewed it to see if he stepped out of bounds. And then in the review process, they're like, oh, his arm is kind of waving. Illegal fair catch. We're going to call that back. And I've, I've never seen that before. Um, didn't impact the play at all. Nobody on the sideline was going nuts about it. Minnesota, it was right in front of the Minnesota sideline. They just looked like they got beat. And it was a bizarre call to make after the fact. The only reason it was reviewed is because he scored. So if like, he went down on the one, it never would have been reviewed. He wasn't that close to out of bounds, which is what they were reviewing for. Absolutely bizarre it's one of those things where if it is by the letter of the law i think they need to change it where that's it not a it, it, it wasn't, wasn't. It, it was the, the the letter of the law is basically it has to come over your head for the fair catch and it has to go back and forth across your shoulders to call it his fair catch if you hadn't seen this and this guy will be in the draft so you'll see it again he'll be a, a very high pick as a defensive back so i'm sure you'll see this again he started by running, pointing at the ball, like, you know, hey guys, look at, you know, if you're, if you're blocking your guys, look at me, it's over here. And He's then he started tally. pushing, pushing with his hand, get away from it, get away from it, get away from it. And then he went and picked it up and scored. It was, they're very clear about signal fair catch over your head, back and forth. Boom, boom, boom. It wasn't that at all. It was ridiculous. It was a, it was a crap call. And I guess I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't care. And even if it's my team, I will say what I think is right and what I think is wrong. And that was wrong. That it just shouldn't wrong. have been reviewable. I mean, it's the biggest thing. If they called it dead on the field. Yeah, that sucks. But then to do it after he scored a touchdown, the only reason it was reviewable is because he scored a touchdown. Also looking at anything. That's not true, though. They review every play on in, in, in college football. Okay, I think it. No, they, they review every play in college football. That's why it takes so freaking long. That's, okay. that's why they, they have. That's why the games take so long. All right. I listened to some of the Big Ten um, answering it, and the refs mentioned that on the conference call. No, that's not um, that's not right. They, they 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 may have had more time to review it, but you review every call. Yeah, it was bizarre. Um, I think it was something that just shouldn't have been reviewable. Like the stepping out, that should be reviewable. But if it's if it's on the field, that I mean, this especially when you're looking at something like that in slow motion, and they said that they 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 were able to confirm it from a aerial view, which nobody had an aerial view. It's like wasn't I don't even know if the refs in the field had an aerial view, but then after the conference, oh, if you look at this one in slow motion, it's kind of ambiguous. Yeah, from over the top, because I have no view of vertical. I can only yep. see horizontal. Now I yeah. can't tell what the, if it's coming over. Yeah, it's, if they take 30 it's minutes, ridiculous. if they take 30 minutes on a weekday to go over a call, odds are there's something either wrong with the rule or it was a bad call. It was a bad call. And I, I've said forever and ever and ever and ever. I say it every week, 20 seconds, man. You get 20 seconds to review a call, otherwise play ball. Uh, but they review every call. That's why a first and goal from the three takes 30 minutes 
if you're just trying to push the ball straight ahead into the end zone because they review the spot every single time. Did he, you know, it's a scrum. Yeah, it's inconclusive. Okay, well, let's do it again. And then they review. Oh, God, it's maddening. But every call, every play is reviewed, and then they'll stop it. it, it it's, it's the NFL where they review a scoring play. Uh, Anthony says, who would you rather face, Malik Willis or Will Levis, if you're the Atlanta Falcons? Give me both. God, I think it's going to be a combination of both two. I think it's probably even better for the Falcons because those guys aren't going to be able to have a chance to really hit their rhythm. And I feel like they're going to be pressing a little bit with each of their reps also trying to make something happen. You know, this is my chance. I better, you know, I only have 15 dropbacks in this game. I need to go out there and make a play. Even though you have to prepare for both, it's not like they are dramatically, dramatically different in terms of, you know, keep them in the pocket, don't let them escape. Um, give them some eye candy up front, confuse them with coverages. So I think that, uh, give me both. I think that's the one that I want to play is both together. I'd, I'd rather see uh, Will Levis first start, really first action. Uh, and Malik Willis can, can hurt you with his legs in the running game. Where Will Levis, no matter who he might be, I don't think he's going to be there yet. So I, I'd rather face the, the rookie passer making his first than, than Malik Willis, who can the dual threat guy who can who can create a little bit on his own. But we'll see. We'll see. The Falcons should be the better team and just take care of business. Robbie Red taking care of some business for us, coming in with a super chat. And just a reminder, like Robbie, the best way to directly support the show and the things that Nick and I do is with super chats like this or stars on Facebook. Robbie Red says, love the live streams. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. Thank you, my friend. Big help to us. Um, Coming down a little bit. Uh, who will catch the Sean Stassi comes in? Who will catch the most passes from Will Levis? My answer, Jesse Bates. You might be right. Two might do it. Two might win this thing. Um, unless he's dumping them off to uh, to the backs for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, turnovers galore. We'll see. Hopefully Desmond Ritter can protect the football. This is a game where you really come in and be like, Ritter, you don't have to do too much here, man. Just protect the damn ball. Even if you're playing field position sometimes. Uh Willis slash Levis are probably going to turn the ball over. So just play smart football. Anthony Evans says, I like the way Nielsen has changed the culture in Atlanta, has them boys playing ball. I'm not going to give him the credit for that one, though. I think this has been instilled from the second they walked through the door with Arthur Smith. And holy cow, this is what happens when you get old. You can't remember what happened last year. What's the defensive coordinator's name? Uh, Dean Pease. Thank you, Dean Peace. <laughs> I was like, I can remember my first grade teacher and like nine out of 10 of my classmates, but I can't remember who I worked with a year ago. It's just harder to, to get long-term memories. The hard drive's full. Dean Peace talked about last year about changing the daggum culture in this place. And Arthur Smith has done that. They wouldn't let him say, you know, uh, rebuild. Wouldn't let him use a word. No excuses. They had, they had huge excuses for that team not being good. They wouldn't have it. You weren't allowed to say it. You weren't allowed to ask him questions about it. And that's part of the culture. And it was one of the reasons why they were so successful in recruiting free agents this year. Calais Campbell. I mentioned, you know, what was your favorite move in the offseason, Scott? Calais Campbell, to me, was a, a statement signing. This was a signing that comes in and says, this team's headed in the right direction. I'm a veteran who could go one more year with just about anybody in the NFL. I want to come here. I want to come be a part of this. That was a, a good thing. Now, the next step for that, Nick, is them making a move in the in the uh, in the before the trade deadline that says we're adding to this team. We're we're going for it. That's a that's an Atlanta Braves move 
that's not necessarily been an Atlanta Falcons move. And it's harder to make moves in, in, in the NFL than it is baseball, for sure. Yeah, but especially in the trade deadline. If there's not an absurd price, and it would have to be an upgrade, because there's some good professionals at edge here. I'd like to see him make a move. I'd like to see him go for this thing. Yeah, I mean, the division will probably never be easier. Um, you'll probably never have a better constructed cap-wise defense uh, with the Desmond Ritter contract and stuff going on and guys staying, knock on wood, here, relatively healthy on that side of the ball. Uh, you go out there and you get another one of those guys, that'd be great. I, I am curious, Scott, any thoughts about cornerback as well? I've been talking edge, edge, as Have you been impressed enough with you know your cornerbacks play opposite of uh Terrell out there that you wouldn't bring somebody in or is that an area too where if like hey if we can get you know five percent better that could make the difference down the stretch I feel pretty good about Jeff Akuda and D Alford in those spots um who am I missing after that Mike Hughes has been I don't know that he's been having to play a whole lot uh let me see how many snaps he got but I feel pretty good about the depth there you know, could you do something for safety? I thought Richie Grant has really started playing better. Um, he had a, a big play, but I thought I think Richie and and um, and Jesse Bates. In fact, you cut a, a safety. You know, when you when you start getting rid of a guy who started 16 games for you last year, I think you're feeling pretty good about your your safety position. Mm -hmm. uh, let me see how many snaps those guys had against Tampa. Uh, and, just and then for we some I want to data, data perspective. You're 15th in the league in coverage grade per PFF, uh, which is Solid, uh, but uh, maybe an area that if it takes just like a six-round pick, yeah, I don't know. That's that's an area that it maybe maybe you could see somebody coming in here still. But I I agree with you. It's probably edge or bust. But I'm just if you can get even just a little bit better, and it doesn't cost that much. Then maybe that's something to consider. Yeah, right now it's D. Alford uh, in the slot who got 55 snaps. AJ Terrell got 73. He played every snap. Jeff Akuda played 69. Um, he got a 50 grade. And, and Terrell, and the thing is on those grades, Terrell got a 48.4. Those guys got shillelagued by PFF this week. I don't know that they, it was, it was that bad for goodness sakes. Um, and then, uh, and then Mike Hughes had a, just a couple of snaps. So I, right now they're playing three and I feel pretty good. I love the way D Alford plays the game. I, I, I absolutely love it. Um, so I, um, I, I think they're okay right there. Assuming injuries stay good and then then you got to figure something out um they've the really was, hated they've really hated trey flowers on uh, pff he's 49.1 grade almost 170 178 snaps maybe that's an area where seventh round pick you bring in another safety cornerback hybrid body type there but i mean it's it's edge yeah and, and he was playing jeff akuda replaced him and jeff yeah. akuda has been playing pretty well um and Gianni asked a question. If they do bring in a top defensive end, whose snaps start to get reduced um, or or possibly cut, which which is a good question as well. Um, you see Lorenzo Carter. You see Arnold Ebiketti. You see Bud Dupree. Those are the three guys that are mostly starting at edge or getting snaps at edge, but there's not a ton of them. Bud Dupree gets the most there. Lorenzo Carter had 23 snaps. Ebiketti had 31 snaps. Um and then it says, and then, and then I don't even see anybody else after that. Zach Harrison. Then Zach Harrison, Clay Campbell, those are defensive linemen. So they're playing really a four-man front with those guys rotating into the three spots. So 
who would come out? Probably Carter. Carter or or Ebiketti. Ebiketti hasn't done a whole lot, you know, either. But it would be it would be Carter. Depends on who it is. If it's a pure pass rusher, it's Carter and Ebiketti. If it's an alpha, a, a legit big time who's better than all of them, all of their snaps go down. Dupree, Ebiketti, and Carter because they're only playing one guy in those spots. They're not bringing up. Uh, they're not playing a three a three man front with two edges. They're playing a four man front with a stand up outside linebacker defensive end, which is one guy. That's one one position. They've only got three. They've got three players for that one position right now, for the most part. Now there's different packages and stuff, but their base is three three down linemen with Dupree, Ebiketti, or Carter coming off the right side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can go get that guy and it doesn't cost you a future first, I think it's something you got to consider uh, right now because you got a chance to go for it in this division. We got Smitty Sports Machine saying, good morning, Scott and Nick. Will the Broncos be sellers at the trade deadline? Who do you see getting moved? I think the Broncos are answering the phone, but I don't think they are. We're getting rid of people no matter what. I mean, we kind of saw the safety market with Kevin Byard, a fifth and a sixth. Now, granted, the Eagles did eat a huge amount of salary cap on that one. But I think the Broncos, if they can't get a third round pick, fourth round pick plus for Simmons and somebody eating that contract, you probably just hold on to him uh, because of the void. It's going to be harder to replace him. And you got means to still create cap next year. I am keeping an ear out. Uh, it does seem like there's a little bit of buzz for linebacker being moved from Denver to create a spot for Drew Sanders to get some more reps out there. Could be jewel could be Singleton as well, but uh, those that's an area that I'm uh, at least listening for right now beyond uh, the wide receivers as well. Yeah. Again, if it's Judy, are they going to be sellers? It, it, they don't have to be sellers. You'd have to give them something worthwhile. They, and I don't know that they've got too many guys that can actually do that. Uh, there's another question here. And we, we talked about this at the beginning of the year, um, Troy coming in. Uh, he, he's like any chance that the, the Broncos would trade, uh, Russell Wilson and or Judy to the Falcons for a seventh round pick. If the Broncos picked up Wilson's salary, would that help both teams? The seventh round pick again, I don't know that the Falcons right now would be in the market for Russell Wilson. Um, would he be an upgrade? Probably, probably right now. Um, I don't know how much that would help how much Russell Wilson would help. Um, that would help the Denver Broncos is what I'm trying to spit out because what you're looking for is salary cap relief and his salary for 2023 is only $8 million. His salary for 2024 is only $17 million. So there the Broncos are at least looking for somebody to pick up that. And you know, week two or three, I said, I'd be interested in $17 million in a fourth round pick for Russell Wilson and his team. I, I would consider it. Now I don't know. I, I think you're ready. You've seen enough from Russell from uh, from Desmond Ritter. I, I don't want to give up picks for you know that guy. I'd just as soon finish this season and then reevaluate in the in the off season for somebody like that, Nick. And as far as Jerry Judy goes, Jerry Judy might fit in better on a team like the Atlanta Falcons, where he's not in the spotlight. He's mm -hmm. he's not considered the first round pick he's not considered you know when are you going to step up and be the number one he could drop into this offense and be a number three behind Kyle Pitts and Drake London behind Bajan Robinson as far as the star power goes and the expectations and I think that's where he would thrive because I don't know if he's got the mental toughness to be a number one in this league that sounds I mean, familiar Falcons fans doesn't it 
Remind he'd us very, of anybody? He'd be very good for a man beater in the defense. If you're playing man and you get that look pre-snap, Jerry Judy's going to be able to cook a guy in man coverage, especially from the slot. Uh, it's the zone and the contested catch areas where uh, we have some issues with him. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, I, I would love a team that's already pretty explosive from the offensive front to uh, make a move for Jerry Judy. Uh, like, Can you imagine adding him to, say, uh, the Miami Dolphins? I mean, just adding him to the mix there with... It's overkill for me. See, I think... I believe that even though there's only one ball to go around, my years in the Peyton Manning offense kind of warped my brain, but... If you make it so you have a matchup proof offense where like no matter where you go, you can't do anything about it, especially with injuries and whatnot, that's a way to go. I mean, was it overkill for the Broncos to bring in Wes Welker after they already had Eric Decker, Demarius Thomas, Julius Thomas, no Sean Marino? I don't think so. I think adding to a strength is just as viable of a team building strategy as it is trying to fortify weaknesses personally. Yeah. And I, again, I think Jerry Judy would be a good pickup for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Um, again, the, the, the questions you have about Jerry Judy, I think would, he, he needs a stronger foundation than what he's had in the, in Denver in his career there with multiple offensive coordinators, multiple head coaches, the, the, the first round draft pick, he needs somebody to just, you know, sit down, do your job and shut up, or you're just going to sit on the bench. And that's what he would get <laughs> with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Mitch comes in. He says, rise up, fellas. Love the show. Thank you, sir. Ritter's production has been great the last couple of weeks. The turnovers will get, will get cleaned up. You'd think, uh, you'd, you'd think, but you start looking at turnovers. No turnovers against Carolina. That's why you won that game. One, one, three, two, three, three. Man, that's crazy. That's, that's an insane amount of turnovers. It has to get cleaned up. Dominic coming in with some stars on Facebook. Thank you, sir. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick. Chiming in from Utah. Well, good morning out there. If we pick up Hunter, do you think we exceed 40 sacks this year? Nick, what do you think? Do we get to include the ones that Hunter already had this year <laughs> as part of the total? Uh, I, th- I think it's possible, especially, again, I think this Falcons team, the turnovers that we've seen specifically in the red zone are not likely to be continuously replicated. That's probably something that you're going to see regression here, which means you're going to be playing with a lead more often, I believe coming forward. I mean, the schedule really lightens up. You've already gotten through the Jags and the lions. I mean, just reading through it, it is, it feels like a big 10 West gauntlet uh, out there for the Falcons coming up here. So I think it's possible if you add another difference maker and the offensive turnovers and red zone offense normalizes some that uh, the 40 sack mark could be eclipsed. I, I, my initial reaction was hell no. Um, but they've got eight sacks in the last two weeks. A lot of those are coverage sacks without beating the guy in front of you and putting pressure on you just flat out what I think of as a sack. There's been pocket collapsing effort moves. Grady Jarrett finally gets through, et cetera, et cetera. Pursuit sacks, those type of things. But with those eight in the last two weeks, now, obviously you have three sacks a game. You're going to get to 40. They've averaged four in the last two weeks. Through seven games, they've got 13. That's almost two a game. Two times 17 games is 34. Okay, well, you're almost there. But you need 27 sacks in 10 games, so you need to go from two to three. A 50% increase in sacks? Maybe. Maybe. It's not out of the question. Um, So maybe. Do I think... The Falcons exceed 40 sacks with, with Daniil Hunter. And thank you, everybody. Daniil Hunter. Um, Daniil. Daniil. 
uh, which makes more sense. No, but it's not nearly as out of the question as I originally thought when the question was asked. It's certainly a possibility. And for a team that has 39 sacks combined the last two years, and 40 would be sweet. 40 would be really sweet. So great question. And thank you. Uh, thank you for this. Thank you for the stars, Dom. Certainly appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely appreciate it. Let me see here. I want to scroll down here and see if we can get some folks. I saw Ryan come back in. We haven't talked to Ryan yet today. Um, and Ryan says, we're being way too hard on Ritter. First year truly playing and putting up the best run pass performance by any Falcons quarterback in Tampa ever. Yeah, I, again, I think we said at the beginning when he wasn't playing very well, you know, are you ready to pull the plug? And it was kind of a loaded question. I knew the answer, what he was going to say, what Nick was going to say. I'm like, no, hell no. It's too soon. It's way too soon. Um, plays really well against in, in the, what was it? It wasn't his turnovers. I think there were fumbles that cost that game. And he played pretty well against the commanders. We're like, oh, is he, is he in it now? Is he, are you ready to say this is the guy? No, I'm not. I'm not. not too high, Am not I too willing low. to give this this man the year? Has he shown enough that I, I'm willing to say, okay, I want to see what he can do over the course of this season, Nick? Yeah. I mean, we are still waiting to see and gathering data on him. He's playing better so far. I do think, though, that I would assume that Arthur Smith is probably being pretty hard on Ritter, too, in terms of the turnovers. Uh, a lot of things you can deal with, you know, the slow process, getting out the first read, pocket manipulation, blah, blah, blah. Rule number one, protect the goddamn football, especially in the red zone. Um, so I'm not by any means saying he's not the guy. I'm not saying that he should be benched. Far from it. He, I'm, I think I'm feeling as confident he potentially could be the guy as I have in his entire career to date. But it's a very correctable thing. Protect the damn football. You, you cannot take points off the board. The margins are too small in the league. You're not going to have many games where you can give up, I think it was 14.3 expected points in this uh, Buccaneers game um, that were given up due to where the fumbles occurred. That That's just, you, you can't have that in the NFL uh, from your quarterback. So learning experience, without a doubt, uh, but very confident with how he's playing. Just got to correct the turnovers there, the fumbles specifically. Leonard Smith says, good morning, fellas. Uh, feels good to be on top of the division. Absolutely. It would feel good to have a, Two games over 500, too, wouldn't it? Go in, in five and three. And I don't remember at the beginning of the year, I may have penciled this one in as a loss on the road. Now I've, I've changed it. This should be a win. Um, I'm afraid to call it. I think whatever I've called has been wrong for the Atlanta Falcons so far this year. Like, I, I don't do well with teams that I cover. You're too close to the situation. I need distance. I need my robotic ability to be unemotional when, I, when I'm picking games. Uh, the one I did pick, though, was take the under. The under on that one felt pretty good. Um, appreciate you being here, Leonard. Uh, Jason B says, uh, Giangelo Malone will probably get released. I don't know. He's, he was a third round pick. I, I don't think they're going to give up on him 18 months into, into his, uh, into what he's been doing into his contract, into his tenure. He's been really good on special teams. That said, you're not getting what you want out of him so far from a third round pick. Um, and that's if you were to get Daniil Hunter, that was what he was talking about. If you go get another edge, who's the odd man out Malone, maybe, um, but his playing time wouldn't get eaten into cause he's not playing. And, and part of that has been the scheme change. You're not putting two edges on the field. You're only putting one, which could be what you then speak of. He, if he were to get released, he'd get picked up. 
he, he you wouldn't be able to sneak him back onto the practice squad. Uh, Pamela Johnson says, I'm confident going to Tennessee with our defense. I'm waiting for the offense to go off. Well, that defense, what's a phrase we like to say about, about the defense? It travels, Nick. The defense travels. It does. Unfortunately, it'd be pretty volatile. I'd say like front seven or uh, the defensive lines travel. Uh, back seven can be a little bit volatile, but uh, run defense, that's something that should play you pretty darn well in the postseason. I mean, you talk about a team that, you know, the ground starts to get a little bit frosty. The pass game's not as slick or as clear or easy to execute. And you need to pick up, you know, oh my gosh, we ran the ball on first down and now it's second and nine. Uh oh, that's something that on uh, specifically second half of the season uh, playoffs going on the road uh, could really make the Falcons a tough out if we see this trend continue. So I, I'm excited, man. This is a team that we I, I, we're at time right now. And I see uh, Tanio Tana coming in saying 21 three, but just kind of a vibe check here, Scott. Expectations to prior to the start of the season meets needs exceeds. Where, where are we at? Defense has exceeded. The offense has not met. So I think that balances out. So I think we're on schedule for that 10 and 7, 11 and 6 preseason prediction that we talked about. I think we're on, I think we're on schedule. Um, if the offense starts clicking, and that could start happening this weekend, if the offense starts playing mistake-free football, it's a big ask when you're giving the ball away three times a game it would be exceeding on both sides of the ball. This could be a 12 and five team, you know, or they keep giving it away. You can end up nine and eight. You can get beat by anybody when you're not Washington commanders, mm-hmm. when you're not taking care of the ball, but the yeah. defense is so far ahead of my expectations. This is a, a contending caliber defense, Nick. It really is. And you know, what's really interesting about this. And I mean, maybe this is an off season discussion as well, but I've been, you know, we've been doing the show uh, long enough and covering the Falcons long enough and the draft specifically. Falcons haven't used premium draft capital on the defense, even though we've been, you know, talking about it for a bit. And you see this massive turnaround here. Uh, It really just, I think, goes to show how volatile and how quickly a defense can turn over in the NFL. I mean, just two years ago, obviously you didn't have the cap space to add to it, Mm -hmm. but this was one of the worst three defenses in football. And now we're talking about them Top 10, I think, pretty securely here. Uh, Just to show you what you can do with $100 million in a good scouting department and a good environment. And and like I said, I think the culture and environment plays into this. Absolutely. You know, being able to sign David on Yamada, bringing in Caden Ellis, who I saw go inside, getting, and and then the scouting, bringing in Nate Landeman and and playing well like that. But the guys, and we've said it before, I know you have, have said it a lot on other shows, Nick. The guys that you've brought in have hit. You know, there there hasn't been a lot of big misses in some of the big. Jesse Bates, worth it. David yeah. Onyemana, worth it. Bud Dupree, worth it. Caden Ellis, worth it. There's four. Jeff Akuda, there's five. There's five new starters on your defense right there. And I'm probably forgetting. Calais Campbell, six. So yeah. the fact that this defense has come together so quickly is a testament to the scouting of both the players and the personalities and how they can mesh together. And Ryan Nielsen as defensive coordinator and overall culture change of the Atlanta Falcons. It's been fun. It's been fun to watch. I'm with you a hundred percent on that. And the money matters, but didn't have to be um, premium draft picks uh, for that to get this turnaround. Now granted what's the ceiling of the defense without that, you know, alpha guy up front that, you know, it's third and 10 
and you need that pressure. I don't know if you have that guy right now, uh, but it's going to be interesting. We got Le- Levon Porter coming in saying, happy birthday to me. Rise up. Happy birthday to you, Levon. Uh, everybody in the chat, make sure you uh, give Levon a happy birthday wish and hope you have a great day, buddy. Yeah, happy birthday. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us. Nando comes in. Mr. Barrington says, can we run the table scoring 16.4 points per game? No, cannot. Cannot run the table giving the ball away three times a game. Those are connected right there. Uh, You know, instead of, what was it, 16-13, the final? I think I put, I I was mixing up my games as I was titling this on Monday. I think the final was 16-13. And as Nick just said, you gave up at least 14 points. It should have been 30. It should have been a three-score game last week. So, no, you, you cannot win giving the ball away two and a half times a game, and that contributes directly to just the 16.4. That, that's how I feel on that. On that note, I do we want to are going to get real, out of here. Go ahead, real, Nick. Real quick, the 16.4 points per game. Um, right now in the NFL, we have some of the lowest points per game we've seen. This is tied for the lowest points per game we've seen since 2009 uh, right now. So uh, defense is definitely playing good. The 16.4 is not good enough. Your average um, points per game right now, I just <laughs> had it somewhere, uh, is 21.7. So 16.4 won't get it done. Uh, but in general, what the what the expectation should be for points, maybe put it down a, a, pe- a peg or so, just because scoring is down across the entire league right now. I want to answer this one real quick before we get going, and then we'll, we'll go. We, we started a little late. We'll go just a little late. Any reason why we can't be serious contenders if we so, sort out our red zone woes? Matt, I think the answer for me comes to the lack of, of pass rush. I don't think the defense can play at the same level that it does and that it has been if it starts playing some of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, you start playing – if San Francisco – let's just look at the – Let's look at the uh, the AFC, the NFC. San Francisco, they're in a little bit of a slump. Lost two in a row. Um, Philadelphia Eagles. I think the Dallas Cowboys are, uh, and I'm, I'm just sorting by points scored on offense right now. Dallas Cowboys would give you trouble. Detroit Lions gave you trouble, and then you go down in points per game. And the next NFC team, the Seattle Seahawks. Geno Smith is a pretty good quarterback. Chicago Bears. The the reason why you would have some better luck is because the NFC is weak. If I said you were fourth, if you were the fourth team in the NFC, would you consider it a serious contender if you knew you had to beat the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles on back-to-back weeks? I think that that's a long, that's a big stretch right now, possible, but I think that's a, a little bit of a stretch unless I can get, and again, you're assuming that you're getting your, your offense straightened out. That's a big assumption, one. But two, I just I think we've this defense is not going to stay at this level against the better offenses, and you're not going to see one this week either. When they can't get pressure with their front four, that's that's my feeling on the ceiling for this team this year. For me, it's still I think I'm I'm not saying that I'm out on Desmond Ritter, but until I see him in the situations where you know it's the pure, I know he, and also I know he's had that crazy comeback so far this season, but it hasn't been the insane drop back pass game that sometimes you need like that one drive where it, it's obvious you are passing the football and he's hitting big time throws and in high leverage situations until I see that over a large enough sample size. Uh, even if the pass rush isn't getting there, I just, I don't know if I can trust Ritter in those situations. That's something where before I'm comfortable with that guy, I need to see it a lot. Um, so that's the big one for me. Uh, why can't they be a serious contender? If you're, you know, 
are you going to go toe to toe? But he was assuming like, again, you get your, you get your, if your offense, like I said, that's a big assumption. So we, we took that off the table. The offense gets it going. What's holding this team back for me. It's still the pass rush, Nick. Yeah. Okay. I agree. I took more of the serious contender. Okay. If you're yeah. going blow for blow against Dak Prescott, Jalen hurts, uh yeah i don't and i don't know the offense is ready to do that period and that's that what was I'm an saying. assumption we made yeah so yeah, okay. i agree exactly. i agree with your overall point yeah that's we just need we still have to find out about desmond Ritter and the functionality of the drop back pass game when you have to go out there and move the ball and score points so far the guy in the games you've had it's trending in the right direction to win football games it's correctable stuff too that's holding them back but that next level to serious contender right that we do got to find out more about the quarterback still. So I'm I'm hoping that you might see a uh, a Billy Bean in Moneyball coming up next week. Get on mm-hmm. the phone with the Vikings. Say you know send them on over here. I don't want them playing against us this Sunday, uh, Daniil Hunter, because they play the Vikings the next game after the trade deadline. Hello, you're already in town. Send them over to our locker room. I don't want them playing against us this week. Do, do it. Um, do it at halftime. Make them switch jerseys <laughs> like on the field. Well, it's, a, it's the fifth. It's the fifth. So they would. Uh, the, the, the trade deadline would be over, but the next team right. they play is the Vikings yeah. uh, on that one. On that note, we're going to get out of here, y'all. I want to say a special thank you to Robbie Red, who came in with a super chat, uh, and Dominic Archuleta, who came in with Facebook stars. Thank you for the support. It means a lot to us. Nick and I will be back. We're going to talk. I think that's what I want to do. I want to talk about on Friday, Nick, is uh, is the mock draft that, that, have, that has come out. We'll go through that on Friday. Same channels and everything, 9 o'clock. It will be all NFL, not just Falcons, not just Broncos, not just et cetera, et cetera. But we will keep going uh, as we start hitting mock draft time because it's almost November, trade deadline. There's some teams that are out of this. Uh, luckily for Falcons fans, who we've been, we started talking about mock drafts in August. That's not the case anymore. We're, we're now starting to knock on the door of, hey, how serious can this team be? What's the yeah. ceiling? It's yep. much more fun that way. It is. So we certainly uh, appreciate y'all being here. Hope to see you on, on, on Friday. If you're new here, and if you're not, leave a like, subscribe, and subscribe or share. It, it means a lot to us. Nick, any last words, and then we'll, we'll take off. Yeah, man. I think you guys should really appreciate what the Falcons have done here over the last few seasons. Um, enjoy the, the ability to right now to play competitive football. Um, and as Scott said, the Falcons, I mean, you guys pretty much have been hit, hit so hard on free agency this year. Don't uh, don't overlook it or underappreciate it because, I mean, the fact that you go out there and hit six moves on the defensive side of the ball and almost every single one of them is at or above expectations is an an oddity. I mean, think about that kind of like the draft where I mean, imagine hitting six of your draft picks and they're hitting above expectation. I mean, that's, that's why you're seeing the big turnaround right now and it could be a pretty fun season. Uh, don't get too frustrated in the the losses here that are probably going to come at some point the unexpected ones because still a young team that's learning but this falcons team is feisty and uh, they're writing it i'm really excited to cover a team that actually is playing meaningful football uh which, which they're setting up for here down the stretch yeah it should be a, a full game it's a game the falcons need to win if they're going to be the team that we're talking about they need to go to tennessee and beat a team that is looking to next year mm-hmm. so we'll see if they can do that move to five and three by half through the halfway point right on schedule. So on that note, we're out of here. Thanks for joining us. I hope y'all enjoy the rest of your gorgeous Southern Wednesday afternoon, and we'll see you on Friday. Peace.